Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around, drink coffee, and talk about true crime. And we're so excited today to be here, to be together, and to be here on this Monday morning where we get to talk about true crime and drink our coffee and just look longingly at each other over the breakfast nook table. Yeah. With you, our beans. Our beans. beans. We're looking the longingest at you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, today, um, my ladies, my beans, and my everything in betweens, uh, I'd like to know, have any of you heard of a woman named Audrey Marie Hilly? But my, uh, but this case comes from my oldest sister, Carly. Carly, yay! Uh, she'll occasionally send me cases that I add to my list. And the other day, I was trying to like go over and see who I want to do, kind of like re-Google everyone because mm-hmm. I already forgot all the names. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, this one's juicy. All right, Ooh, so yes. get the grab your yeah. Thanks, Carmex. <laughs> so grab your mugs and let's get into it, shall we? Audrey Marie Frazier was born June 4th, 1933, to her parents, Huey and Lucille Frazier. I want ma- to be Louie, Huey and Louie. Huey, Dewey, and <laughs> Lucille Louis. Frazier. Yeah. So the majority of accounts I read on her, uh, she goes by her middle name. So we will be referring to her as Marie from now on. That's my middle name. Nice. Well, listen up. There <laughs> There's a lot of us. <laughs> There's a lot of us. We are many and we are strong. We are the Maries. We are the Maries. Oh, God. Tuning in for murder. Yeah, tell a story. Oh my god. We got the giggle caption buzz. I don't even know. All right. Both of her parents worked long hours, so Marie was raised mostly by her two aunts. Uh, It's said that not only was Marie absolutely gorgeous, she was also spoiled rotten. Her parents gave her anything and everything she wanted, and they rarely disciplined her. When she was just 12 years old, she started a relationship with a high school junior named Frank Alfred Hilly. In May of 1951, when Marie was 17 years old, she and Frank got married uh, while he was on leave from the Navy. Mm-hmm. Frank would send all of his earnings back home to Marie to put into savings, but she blew it all instead. Oh, no. Oh. She did end up finding work as a secretary, but would spend more than twice of her monthly earnings on clothes and luxury items. She would even go so far as to hide the bills from her frugal husband so he wouldn't know the extent of their debt. Oh, no. Oh. It sounds like Monica from Friends. Yeah. Ooh. She, like, hid everything in the closet. Oh, yeah, Anyways. That yep. closet. That's, it. That's where the Friends got it from, actually. I have a what? series of notes from my mom um, where she... My parents still listen to this. This is fine. She'll always hide money. Um, like, it's, like, $20 or something just in whatever she gives. If she gives, like, uh, soup or something where she's like, I made a bunch of soup, so Dad's going to bring it over. 
and she always has a note on there that says, don't tell dad. And so I have like a, I have like a whole collection of a bunch of notes that say, don't, don't tell dad. dad. So I would get that tattoo. I was me. just going to say, don't tell dad. Please, tell me that's a tattoo. tattoo. <laughs> yeah, just, that's it. Don't tell don't dad. Don't tell dad. And I remember that's, yeah, that's got to be tough for her. Uh, Marie's already on a path of lies and stuff. That's, that's mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Oh, shucks. Okay, so um, one time when she felt she wasn't getting the attention from Frank that she wanted, uh, she wrote fake love letters and tried to flaunt them in front of him. Oh. He figured out that she had written them, but when confronted with it, she said that she had to do it because she was afraid he didn't love her anymore. Oh, no. So, you know. Oh! No red flags here. I must have gotten mail! I just imagine her, like, dropping it in his lap. Oops! Oops, My mail! Wow! Oh, dear. Fed into your lap, my mail. When that person's just, like, laughing and laughing, (laughs) and you're like, okay, what's so funny? Yeah. Uh, Because I I love to reference things like Clueless, when she starts buying herself things to get the attention of the guy. Exactly. (laughs) See? Okay, so Clueless stole it from her. Everyone's just stealing from this woman's life. That's so funny. (laughs) So, um, they went on to have a son named Michael, and before he went off to college, or seminary school, depending on the source you read, uh, Marie took out a $25,000 life insurance policy on him, of which she was the sole beneficiary. What? Oh no, oh no, oh no. On her own son? Oh no. Yeah. After oh, Michael no. was out of the house, the family fostered a girl named Maria Alexander. Uh, they were given a monthly stipend from the county for Maria's needs. But it's unclear if the poor girl ever received any of that funding. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I saw mentioned uh, about Maria's time with the Hillies is that they said objects started to go missing around the home at this time. So, and this is just me speculating, but from context, I'm going to guess that Maria was getting too much attention, the money wasn't enough, so Marie blamed Maria, and she was quickly gone. Oh. Oh. Okay. You'll learn quickly that Basically, everything's a scam to this woman. Gotcha. So okay. she couldn't get anything else out of that girl. Okay. That's just my opinion. Okay, yeah. So as soon as there's somebody that she can't use, she moves on. Yeah. Like, or if she gets her what she needs out of you, then she moves on. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Hillies also had a daughter named Carol. It said that Marie was never satisfied with her appearance. She thought she was too plain looking and got very upset when Carol wouldn't wear the clothes she forced upon her. Oh, jeez. At one point, Marie accused Carol of being a lesbian and would have violent outbursts at any of her female friends. So around this time, she also started to isolate Frank and not let him speak on the telephone to friends. Oh my gosh. Right. So Frank called his son and told him that they needed to meet because what he had to tell him couldn't be said over the phone. The T was that he had caught Marie in bed with her boss. (gasps) Frank was feeling ill one day, and he came home early from work to find them in bed together. Oh, Oh, man. Within a week of this conversation, Frank's health started to deteriorate. Oh, no. no. This poor dude. Oh, no. He saw his doctor, who thought it was some kind of viral infection in his stomach. When the medications weren't helping, though, Frank went back to the physicians, and they ran more tests. Eventually, Frank was diagnosed with hepatitis and unfortunately died shortly after. All of this happened very quickly, like within weeks. Mm -hmm. There was an autopsy done, which confirmed the outward signs of hepatitis, this being swelling of the kidneys and lungs, Mm. bilateral pneumonia, and inflation of the stomach. Marie was given a $31,140 payout from Frank's life insurance policy. (sighs) I looked it up. 
Remember, this is the 50s. Oh, my God. That is equivalent to about $158,773 today. Jesus. Hot potatoes. She oh was seen God. making lavish purchases, such as a luxury car, a motorcycle, and all new furniture for the house. What oh, man. Like a whole new house. Shopping. <laughs> Bonus. Bonus. <laughs> And you know it was the 50s, so it was that, like, weird-looking furniture, too. Oh, yeah. like, everything yeah. matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, ooh, you know. <laughs> so shortly after Frank's passing, Michael and his wife Terry move in to help with Marie's mother, Lucille. That's Michael's grandmother. So okay. she was living with them. Yes, the, the, oh. the mother did at some point come move okay, in to live okay, with them okay. as well. So it was during this time that the family started to get weird, childishly scribbled, threatening notes. They Did stayed, they compare them to love letters? <laughs> yeah. They stated that the family needed to leave Aniston or horrible things would happen to them. Apparently the Fords, their neighbors, got similar notes. Uh, Marie reported these to her insurance company as counts of vandalism and was actually able to collect payment. Holy Ooh. girl is always good on finding a way to get she, money. Yep. Yeah. Her yeah. job is Better finding work. ways to not work, I guess, right? I That's like her job. She, yeah. My next sentence is, it was later proved that Marie was the one writing and sending the notes. Oh my God. should have compared it to the love letters. <laughs> See? Oh my gosh. Also. Nicole, you need to learn time traveling. Thank you. I <laughs> I go back in time. I should. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Also, while living with Marie, uh, Terry, Michael's wife, had a miscarriage. It is thought that Marie was trying to poison her as she was showing symptoms similar to Frank. Frank. Uh Uh The couple quickly moved out. They better. And once they were moved out, the house miraculously caught fire while no one was home. Marie (laughs) tried to sue the Alabama Gas Company for $75,000, but lost. She was, however, awarded insurance money. Chimney. Oh, my God. Chimney. At the end of that year, yes, all of this happened within a year. She bought all that new furniture and everything. All of this. And it all burned. Then suddenly the grandmother, Lucille's health, started to drastically worsen. Oh. Marie offered to help with administering her meds. No. And then she quickly passed away from, quote, rapid spread cancer. No. Marie collected $600 from her burial policy. Jeez. Marie tried again with the harassment bullshit. She blamed one of the neighbor kids, who she said stole all kinds of things like jewelry, a revolver, a tear gas gun. Why do you have that? A a hair dryer, et cetera, et cetera. When you have too much money, those are things you buy when you have too much money. Then you don't have anything. Yes, no, this is a very very well-to-do neighborhood that they live in. Okay. Oh, and how convenient. She just happened to have photos of all of the missing items. Oh. Got to catalog that shit. Yeah, because you know, catalog everything I own just in case. You never, one never knows. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, guys, I might start taking pictures of everything. Hey, everything but I mean, nice. and this was the 50s, so, like, that's work. That's taking a good those point. Photos. Not like on our phones where you can just snap like, away. So you you definitely like, had to, like, work. hire a person to do that. Yeah, and, and then, like, get it developed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dark rooms. They didn't have one-hour oh photo God. back then. No. So she had, I'm, I'm imagining her, like, photo book, like, like just a really, you know, like, it's like an oh, old You know, I'm kind of hoping it. that she, like, hired a professional portrait photographer <laughs> who thought, like, oh, I'm here to take pictures of the family, right? And she's, she's like, like, no. My, everything my, in the my house. Things. My yeah. Everything. Yeah, everything. Take pictures of my things. <laughs> everything. But get the lighting oh, right. My things. Yeah. Things. Okay. So she... 
She contacted the Aniston Police Department every day for two years with complaints of harassment, vandalism, burglary, etc. She accused everyone she could think of, including neighbors and co-workers. The police put up a wiretap on her phone to see if they could trace where the harassing calls were coming from. Conveniently enough, though, whenever they would have it running, the calls would stop. Weird. Ugh. Yeah, nor would any calls come in when Carol was home alone. Right, so the calls, Marie was the only one that ever picked up these calls. Mm -hmm. um, Marie told them that she suspected that someone from the phone company must be involved. Oh. oh. It's going all the way to the top. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> During this time, Marie experimented on the detectives involved in her case by bringing them bait goods laced with small amounts of arsenic. Oh, oh my god. No. But the crazy doesn't stop there. Oh no. Marie claimed that after Frank's death, some goons came over to her house demanding $40,000 for Frank's apparent gambling debts. She told the detective that it was harassment to get them to move since Kmart wanted to build a store on their street. Kmart. Yeah, this oh, was, and Kmart. this was never confirmed to be true. Oh, so remember when I said that the neighbors were also getting harassing phone calls? Yes. Well, the police were able to trace those calls back to Jenkins Manufacturing Plant, where Marie was currently working as a secretary. Ooh. Who would have thought <laughs> that? Jesus Christ! Right, it's a shocker after shocker. Shocker. About a month later. Another fire broke out at the Hilly residence. Then, magically, a similar fire broke out at the Ford's house nearby. Oh, no. Marie tried to blame Doris Ford's boyfriend, but there was absolutely no evidence that he was involved in any way. In mm. fact, he would have had to break into the Hilly's home to have started their fire, but there was no sign of a break-in. Marie made the dramatic decision to sell her house for cash and move into an apartment with her daughter. They got an unlisted number, but somehow were still apparently getting harassing phone calls. The police, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the police were starting to catch on and realized that Marie was making all this up, obviously. They traced three of the calls back to one of Carol's friends' houses. When Marie accused that friend of trying to start a lesbian relationship with her daughter, <laughs> the police had had enough, and they stopped returning Marie's calls. Marie. But oh, did Marie. that stop her? Heck no. One day, Carol's car was stolen and then found two hours later on fire. Marie collected the insurance money. Oh my God. Then Carol drove her mom's car to school one day and then the windshields got smashed in. Marie collected the insurance money. The ladies move yet again, this time to a house with a fenced-in yard. Marie said it was so that Carol's dog had a yard, but... Most people agree that it was really so she could just, like, avoid creditors from getting to her. Yeah. <laughs> she had, like, a dog and a yard and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the moving, lies, and deceit kept up for another year. At one point, Marie moved in with Frank's mother, Carrie Hilly, who she would steal money from and hide the bills. <laughs> mm. It's also insinuated in a few sources that she was poisoning her as well. Go figure. Hmm. Then, roughly three years after Frank's death, Marie took out yet another $25,000 life insurance policy, this time on her daughter Carol. Oh, no. And wouldn't you know it, suddenly Carol started to come down with similar symptoms to her father's. Oh, my God. At one point, while Marie was caring for Carol, she injected her with a shot that was supposed to be for her nausea. However, her symptoms only worsened. She went back to the hospital, and the doctor noted that she was suffering from malnutrition and vitamin deficiencies, adding that he also suspected she was suffering from heavy metal poisoning. 
After hearing this diagnosis, Marie quickly had Carol transferred to a different hospital at the University of Alabama before any tests could be run on her. Her reasoning was that it was because she felt Carol wasn't receiving sufficient care. Oh, sure. Okay. During Carol's time at U of A, Marie was actually arrested for writing bad checks. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, the checks to pay for Carol's life insurance policy. So, the doctors ran an analysis of Carol's hair, and what do you think they found? Poison. <gasps> yes! I, I was going to say, if you guessed heightened levels of arsenic, beep, 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 you would be correct. Good job, Nicole. You win poison. I, oh, you, I win, I win poison? Yes. <laughs> Surprise. Poison. Oh, is poison. this coffee for me? <laughs> <laughs> Marie strikes again. Oh, no. But we're the Maries. <laughs> there can only be one. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, so they could even see that the levels of arsenic were higher as they reached the root and much less towards the end. So this proved that Carol had been poisoned with larger and larger doses of arsenic as the time went on. Mm-hmm. For a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. She was in a long con. Yeah. Hair is so fascinating when they do those tests and you mm-hmm. can tell, like, when it started. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. Shortly after this discovery, the bodies of Frank Hilly, Carol Hilly, and Lucille Frazier were exhumed. All of them tested positive for arsenic. They sure dang did. However, Carol and Lucille's weren't found to be in lethal amounts. I think mm. part of decomposition there could possibly be. I'm hmm. speculating. I don't... Either that or it's just that there weren't enough in their systems anymore for them to prove that it was a lethal amount. Because I've... Uh, I'm not a scientist, but I feel like it does stay in the hair for a really long time because mm-hmm. it like, hmm, I don't know. I'd have to, have to ask a professional. I'll say, if you're a professional. If you are a professional, please. Please, <laughs> write to us <laughs> so we can tell everybody about it. Because we don't know stuff. We're just some girls who like to sit around and drink coffee. I love learning. Learning <laughs> is likes to learn. I love learning. I like to learn things that I want to learn about. Yeah. So, but they found it in Frank? Yes. But he was first dead, right? Yeah, but it's possible that he just had, had Larger been given amounts. the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I also wonder if it's like, even though it wasn't a lethal amount, but the length of time in which it was happening that's what I'm wondering. damaged how... the body. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that's hey, why hey, I'm Hey, listener, curious. are you a pathologist? Yeah. Tell us stuff. Tell us things. Yeah, because I'm, I'm curious how long she had been poisoning her. Mm-hmm. Like, how and how long it took, and then how long until she started noticing changes, and then she, like, upped the dosage of whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because... I don't know. I feel like anyone living under her roof could have been subject to any of that stuff. It seems like she just kind of makes the choice and goes with it. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, eventually they catch on and uh, Marie was indicted for the murder of Frank as well as writing two bad checks for the amount of $6,000 on Carol's Mm. life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. She was also charged with the attempted murder of her daughter. (sighs) Well, good. Right, like a little bit of hope, maybe? A little bit. So exactly one month later, in November of 1979, Marie made bail and was staying in a hotel in Birmingham under the alias Emily Stevens. Mm. Somewhere between the 9th and the 18th, Marie fled, leaving behind a note indicating that she might have been kidnapped. Oh, Jiminy. A missing missing person's report was filed and Marie was listed as a fugitive. Oh, my God. Yeah, because she was still, like... I was trying to kind of get this around my head, but I'm like, okay, it's the 70s. I guess you could do this thing where you were on bail, but not really because you were out, but not really you were supposed to be at this hotel, I think was the deal. Oh, okay. So that's why she's listed as a fugitive, because she's still not really out. It's like their version of, like, halfway house. Okay, okay. Yeah. On the 19th, Marie's aunt's home was broken into. 
some women's clothing, an overnight bag, and the family car were said to have been the only things missing. There was also a note left behind which read, quote, Do not call police. We will burn you out if you do. We found what we wanted and will not bother you again. Oh, man. Did you find pictures of these letters? I wish the letters? That, no. They all I have wish, the same they're handwriting. They're all the same handwriting. That's what I'm wondering. Oh like, my did God. she ever change her handwriting? I don't it's know. I'm going to dig harder, though, because now I'm like, oh, they have to exist somewhere. Yeah, uh, I'm just so curious. Like, But, but I'm, I'm like, imagining, like, you said, like, a child, like, left-handed writing. Right? Like, you oh, know, my God. Trying to disguise Unless you're left-handed, same. which, you know, if you're Whatever hand is yeah. your non-dominant hand. Yeah, Whichever non- hand B'nai Ramsey's parents use. I'm just kidding. Whoa! That was a poor taste. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, two months pass, and still no sign of Marie. Mm. On January 11th, 1980, she was uh, indicted in absentia for her husband's murder. Mm. She would successfully remain on the run for a little more than three years. During this time, she traveled from Alabama to Florida and was using the name Robbie Hannon. There, she met a man named John Homan. Depending on who you ask, they either met in 1980 in Fort Lauderdale at a cocktail party in Palm Beach, or they met at a bar. Regardless, their relationship took off, and they were married within a few months. Mm. Soon after, they moved up north to Marlow, New Hampshire. Marie, now Robbie, acquired a job at the Keen Screw Company as a secretary, while John found work as a machinist for a company that made small parts for precious metals to be used uh, in jewelry making. Robbie made up a fantastical story to her new co-workers about her old life. She said she was happily married to a man named Joseph Hannon right out of high school. Unfortunately, though, they were killed in a terrible car accident. This was her reasoning behind not having a license. She just couldn't bear to drive, so John drove her everywhere. After about a year in New Hampshire, Marie slash Robbie tells John that she is going to Texas to, quote, attend to family business and see some doctors about an illness. What? (laughs) Well, just an illness. Uh, She told her boss it was to take care of her late husband's estate. Uh, so seems like she's screwing with him. Ah, she looks for the screw company. Ah, good one. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but when she got to Texas, she acquired a job as a typist for Gulf Coast Investors. She told her new co-workers there the same story about her late husband, Joseph, and their two children. She did mention her new husband back in New Hampshire as well, but this time she said that she was in Texas to settle the estate of her wealthy sister and brother-in-law who died about a year prior and listed Robert as the sole beneficiary. What? I know, this is like a web of, literal web of lies. Yeah, Yeah. she's really, she's going to get herself in trouble. Yeah. She went on to say she was looking to move John down to Texas as soon as his inheritance went through. According to John, though, he wasn't even sure Robbie would be returning from this trip. Apparently this trip was actually their trial separation. Oh, Okay. No. So she, yeah, okay. She's stuck in her yeah. own delusion. So, yeah. like, she told John, like, one thing, and she told her coworkers in New Hampshire one thing, and then she went to Texas for this trip, and then was there long enough she needed a job, and then told them another thing, and it's just like, look it. You gotta keep track of all those lies if you keep yeah. keep lying. You, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta keep track. That's tough. It's a tough position to put yourself in. Yeah. Sucks to suck. (laughs) She took that little trip. She comes back to New Hampshire, and uh, she actually got her old job back at Central Screw. This time, though, she started to lay the seeds that she had a twin sister 
named Terry <laughs> who lived back in Texas. Yo, what? I tried to do this when I was little. It did not work. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler! I wanted to be a twin so bad. Work. Uh, she also started to develop migraines that would require her to leave work early. Oh, genius. Uh, she told smart. everyone that they were getting so bad that she might need to go back to Germany to see a specialist. I don't know why Germany... <laughs> Instead, she settled on needing to go back to Texas to see the doctor. Yeah, oh, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay, I guess I'll just go back to Texas. Let's go to Texas, I Oh, guess. oh, but sh- this time she'll be staying with her twin sister, Terry. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Who mm-hmm. super just, exists. Just has slightly shorter hair, maybe. That's what mine was. Mine was a photo of an old version of myself with short hair, and I was like, this mm-hmm. is my twin sister. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, did she do the same? Wait for it. <laughs> it's us Marie's, man. Oh, guys. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie slash Marie slash Robbie uh, had been constantly feeding John false stories about Terry to make it seem like she actually existed so that this didn't completely throw him. Uh-huh. Like the whole time she had been slow burning that like she totally had this, this twin. Uh. How she was able to travel without a car or a license I'm not really sure. I couldn't find her travel arrangements specified, but I don't know. That's just something that stood out to me. I'm like, didn't she say she doesn't have a license? Didn't she say she doesn't have a car? Doesn't she? How is she getting to all these places? 50s maybe baby. 50s baby, too. Yeah. But maybe she did have an ID, but she, like, hid it from everybody. So, like, oh, no, she I think, had one? No, you're right. She probably has her actual real name on yeah, her ID. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, this is, nobody knows that I have this. It's my secret ID. Right. Yeah, when it's, because she goes by her middle name in around people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah. this lady. Okay, so she goes to Texas to see this twin. Two months into this trip, John gets a call from said twin sister informing him that Robbie had died and would not be returning home. Robbie, no! Robbie is dead. Oh, 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 and he shouldn't bother to come down for a funeral because her body was already donated to science. Cool. Well. (laughs) Sure. Just do it. Right. Well, there it is. Tie a brick. Throw her through a window. Yeah, throw her through a window. Float, she's a witch. Uh... (laughs) I would just like to say that I did not do all of that. I one what? day tried to pretend I had a twin, and that okay. was the end of it. Oh, yeah. See, this was the <laughs> long haul. Couldn't keep up with you the didn't, lies. I couldn't. You I, didn't I, commit I, to I'm the bit. Good, I'm not a good liar. <laughs> I did not commit to the bit. Oh, and in a true Marie fashion, I mean, I'm sorry, Robbie fashion, she left Terry a note. Oh, God. Right? Okay. <laughs> left her a note, quote unquote. I'm using she left air quotes. A right, note. right. Robbie left. <laughs> Herself. Oh, no. Expressing that she should go meet John and the two of them should look after each other. Oh, my God. So the day after Robbie's death, Terry shows up on John's doorstep. She looked a lot like Robbie, but this woman was thinner and had a slightly different hair color. Oh, my God. But they were twins, right? So... Seemed legit enough for John, apparently. Oh, my 50s, goodness. baby. 50s, baby. Hey, man, if you want to believe it, then it's true. Like, yeah, I'm sure he yeah. just wanted to believe it. I know, poor dude. Yeah. Um, he would make it known that he was giving Terry the master bedroom and he was sleeping on the couch, but that only lasted a few weeks. At one point, Terry says uh, she wants to see where her sister used to work and meet her friends so she can feel closer to her. What? This woman, something is very wrong yeah. with her. Something has happened. Something. Yeah, and There's her ex-co-workers at Central Screw were not falling for it. That's one bit. Awesome. Good for them. They were actually pretty disgusted that she would try to pull a stunt like this That's and so felt great. really yes. bad for John. Uh, he seemed legitimately grief-stricken. Oh my Aww. god! That's so, so funny. So they started sleuthing, and uh, the co-workers that was, they start sleuthing and learn that the institute where Robbie apparently had her body donated 
didn't exist. exist. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Well, I'm at least in a real place. Yeah, yeah. and they listed the uh, institute was listed in her ob- obituary. So that's why they looked it up. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that didn't exist, nor did the church in Tyler, Texas, that Robbie said she belonged to. Um, They actually called a reporter in Tyler, Texas, who told them that there was actually no record of Robbie Homan at all before her death. Uh, The children and husband that she said died in a car accident, no record of them either. Man, she should have been a writer. The stories she's come up with, she should have just written it out and been a famous novelist. Yeah, do that instead. By this time, the Vermont State Police had been added to the law enforcement group checking into Robbie Homan, Terry Martin, whatever. They believed that Terry Martin was actually a woman named Terry Lynn Clifton, who was wanted on federal drug charges. So they pick her up when she was leaving work on January 12th, 1983, but she wasn't Terry Lynn Clifton at all. Like, that was just <laughs> What? Yeah. Nope. Random. But she did confess to being Audrey Marie Hilly. But said that, you know, she was just wanted for writing some bad checks in Alabama. Not, like, murder. I just, I guess, I don't know. There's some, monetize your hobbies, I guess. Like, like she could have, like you said, been a writer. Use your weirdness for good. You can. You're creative, okay? You just went the wrong way. She's killing people. Choices. So the police looked into it and... Wasting so much time. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're it's just fucking... It's just she's wasting so much time So much other time people. and resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the police looked into it and found that she was also wanted on charges for murdering her husband and the attempted murder of her daughter. Marie was brought back to Alabama to stand trial. John Homan stayed by her side throughout. Aww. While in custody awaiting trial, Marie allegedly told a cellmate that she killed her first husband by putting arsenic in his food. Dumbass. This cellmate would go on to testify against Marie. Oh, uh, they, they usually do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her daughter, Carol, testified against her mother as well. Good. Marie took the stand uh, in her own defense, but only oh, to say... Oh, of course she did. Yeah, of course she did. <laughs> but only to say that she didn't inject Carol with anything that would hurt her. She didn't speak on anything else or really give a testimony. Huh. Like, that was it. She was just like, I didn't, didn't hurt Carol. Sure. Oh, man. <laughs> the jury went on to find Marie guilty of Frank's murder, as well as the attempted murder of Carol. She was sentenced to 20 years for Carol and life in prison for Frank, and transferred to the Julia S. Tutwiler State Women's Prison in Wetumpka, Alabama. Then, in the spring of 1984, no less than a year into her sentence, Marie's security classification was adjusted down to medium, and then eventually down to minimum. However, minimum security meant that she would be able to leave the prison. <gasps> Her first outing. That's was, a thing? Yes. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Right, because that's like a camp, right? That's, again, that's like a halfway house. Oh. Minimum security. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it was like, oh. So, like, sometimes you're allowed okay, to leave, okay. go to work and come back. Oh, uh, but okay, this one, okay. her first outing was with eight other inmates and the warden. She used this one-on-one time to make it known to the warden that she wanted nothing more but to rehabilitate her image and would never do anything to destroy the warden's trust. Of course. Mm -hmm. Eventually, she convinced the warden to let her have an eight-hour unaccompanied outing. Wow. You know, her and Ted would have gotten along well. (laughs) Dude. She saved up these outings and gained a three-day furlough pass. John picked her up and took her to a hotel in Anston. She even did her due diligence and called the local sheriff to inform him that she was there. And for the first two days, nothing really happened. Marie kept a low profile, mostly stuck to the room. On the third day, 
before she had to go back, she told John she wanted to visit her parents' graves alone and would meet him at the Waffle House at 10 a.m. Oh, my God. But she never showed. Of course not. I guess this was John's breaking point. Because he went back to the room and called local police. Yeah. Finally, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. He had arrived to find a note oh, from Marie asking no. for forgiveness and an hour head start. Wow. <laughs> John was subjected to a polygraph test and then authorities let him go. Four days later, Sue Croft and Janice Hins go out onto their porch to find a woman fighting for her life. This woman's speech was slurred and she was going in and out of consciousness. She was rushed to the hospital, but suffered a heart attack in the ambulance. Upon arrival, doctors found she was also suffering from hypothermia and exposure. The officer who had arrived on scene mentioned that the woman matched the description of missing fugitive Audrey Marie Hilly. Oh, Marie passed away at 5.06 p.m. at the age of 53. Guess she couldn't find that little cabin like Ted did. Yeah. No, stuck to the wild. And what's crazy, too, is that Sue Croft and Janice Hins went to school with her. Oh! <gasps> And because she's in her hometown now, oh, so right. they went, they knew her, but they could not recognize her at all. Whoa. They had no idea because she was just like, you know, so like fighting for her life and not dying of hypothermia. Life. And were they lesbians? Oh, I mean, and she was <laughs> saved by lesbians. No, I really hope so. Because yeah, that really would be like so. the most beautiful, be like, yeah, screw you, yeah. yeah, screw you, man, lady. Oh, wow. Lesbians so are cool. They are cool. cool. Everybody's cool. You know what? Lesbians are cool. That's my final sip. Lesbians, lesbians are, cool. are cool. They are. They are. Mom. <laughs> I like Carol awesome. be a lesbian. Yeah, just leave her alone. But it's the 50s, so they can't. No. Um, final sips. I'm going to go back on what I said earlier. Uh, <clears throat> monetize your hobbies, baby. <laughs> Uh, actually, no. It is actually, it's very important to have hobbies that you don't monetize. So remember that because then you'll like it. You can mm-hmm. still like it. But if you're very creative, everyone's got like a thing that like they think of themselves as like annoying or a trait of theirs that's tough to deal with. A lot of times you can just take that and try to look at it a different way and see how that can be useful for you elsewhere. Mm. Like Nicole said, this lady was creative <laughs> as fuck. Been a she should have just been a writer. If you really right. have all these stories to tell, why don't you just write them down? Yeah, and so, so much Jesus detail. Christ. Yeah, so much detail and like lot like back. You know, if you're a, a pathological liar, you can t- write those lies down and just make a series out of it. Slap a couple vampires in there, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> like That's that. My final sip. Slap some vampires in there. <laughs> uh, That's a good final sip. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I keep thinking, but she's just been a writer. Uh, it's really hard to tell lies like that, and she seemed to do it pretty damn well for a long time. So in that respect, hats off to you, fellow Marie. <laughs> yeah. Good job telling lies. Um, but terrible reasonings. Uh, yeah, she would have just written written all that down. That would have been real cool. I would have read those stories. Amanda wrote it down. Yeah, hey, wrote it down. We did an episode yeah. about it. <laughs> an episode this about made, This would have made a cool, like, four-part docuseries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, though, because obviously there was something. It's the 50s, so there's really no way they would have found it. But something was going on with her. That's not a way a normal, functioning, healthy brain thinks. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously there was underlying things. And in that respect, it is very, it's a very sad story because mm-hmm. she never really knew who she was because she was never her own person. She was these lies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in that respect, it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, do you, I wonder if, like, she just... 
got to that point where like don't like pathological liars start to believe their own lies mm -hmm. where she yeah. was just like nope this is real yeah. and like there's there the comes... notes make it so right notes, and, man before texting well like in the 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 notes and i mean like you know you you start lying enough like that you start believing your lies and at that point like mm, if it's all just stories anyway who's to say it's not true like like what's the if it's true or not you mm -hmm. know like she's still having to keep up with it, which is so much effort. Yeah. So and much. she did it for a long time. She did. Well, she didn't do it well. Not she was constantly well. kind of caught and, like, all that kind of shit, too. Multiple lies. Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of feel bad for her. It's like, oh, was someone going to just catch her and stop? And it, it's almost like a Mun Munchausen by, by proxy, proxy a mm. little bit because it was like, I'm sure she loved the attention that she was getting while mm. everybody was sick, mm. but then she had to, like, take it a step further to get the insurance money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People who, like, people who lie, people who con, people who steal, I'm sorry, you're garbage humans. Mm. Like, if you're going to use all of that energy that whatever magical being in the universe gave to you to have and you're going to use it to screw over another person who is working hard for what they have and just staying out of everyone's business, you're the worst. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's it. She's just... She's just the worst. She's the a, worst. Just a bad lady. Yeah. yeah. Bad batch. Worry about yourself. Don't hurt people. That's it. Yeah. That's it's not too much to ask. <laughs> right? It really isn't. It really it's isn't. Not. Like, yeah, she she really put herself in quite the pickle consistently to like have to keep up with her shit. Like yeah. just get a normal job or gig. I don't know. There's well, so many ways to make money to kill people. Too. Yeah. yeah. But she had to and it was um like I don't think I touched on this enough. Like it was a very big status thing for her mm -hmm. that's oh, why sure. they had to move she made the move to right. Aniston it was the house on the hill she had to have all the things she had to be the best all the time so it's an, probably there was also a lot of pressure yeah to be like that all of the time so that yeah. Joneses. Yeah. Right. yeah you said she was very spoiled and she grew up you know right that, no one ever lifestyle. told her no yeah that sticks with you I mean yeah Keeps happening. But uh hey uh thanks Carly sister for sending me this crazy story it yeah. was very interesting yeah and, uh, yeah carlin san diego thanks to wow. carlin san diego <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening we yes. love you guys love you beans we love you beans thank you for tuning in to another episode of morning, morning. Wow. have a murder you like to talk about over coffee we would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. Well, now that I have your attention, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Amanda. 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 A man, dog, a man, duck, a donkey, a donkey, a donkey. Oh, Jake knows. Jake does our warm up with us. Yeah, oh, that's the cutest thing yeah. I've ever seen. We, we were about to. We were like, when we were about to record we D and D, like, hold we'll, on, we'll say something. Marco Polo, him right now. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll like, Jake, we love you. Well, we're gonna warm up, but we're gonna make sure that Jake's here for it. Oh, yes, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Is we'll, we'll do it for him. Duck?
<laughs> man duck, a Jakey, a Jake boy, a man duck, 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 a tombstone if i ever die please just donate my body to science don't pay any money <laughs> please just throw it through a window um but in this other parallel universe where i have a tombstone um the thing is just brenna folger loving creature um uh, and then in quotes it's a dead and then in quotes, in quotes it says uh it says don't tell me what to do and that's it that's yeah the title of my sex tape of yeah. my okay, everything. But, okay, okay, but I would like my tombstone yes. because we're going to be buried next to each yes, other. Of course, uh, all three hands. of us. Yeah, all three of us all holding hands. Yeah. Uh, I would like mine to say like, Brenna, I love you. Have a great afterlife. Don't tell me what to do. And mine just says, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and Nicole. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. And I helped. And hers is just a big equality sign. Yeah. It's just the whole thing and it lights up and it's like when you hug it, it gets warm. She hers is like something really metal, like see both of you in hell. Like or something. (laughs) That's it. Or it's the complete opposite. To quote Gary Gilmore, see you in hell. (laughs) Also to quote. Was it Gary Gilmore who said, let's do this? Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Just do it. Nike. Nike. All right. Gary Gilmore, quotable. Uh, <laughs> that's our newest uh, uh, brain fart. That's <laughs> our newest. Our newest. Our newest single coming yeah. out. <laughs> True crime. True crime. I just wanna. I wanna hear that with like, um, like synth, like. That's copyright. Now it's a parody. We can do it. Okay, great. But like a, but original, like Beverly Hills Cop, not whatever that was that came on the internet that took that song and went crazy about it. Right. You know, like what is that about? What is happening? Why they even do? We don't know. That's the true crime. That's the true crime. Marie Frazier was born June 4th, 1993. This is incorrect. Give me a minute. She was born. Because <laughs> this whole thing. Know. Hold on. Intermission. What happened? I wrote 19. 93 instead of 1933. Okay, I was like, I'm having 
a stroke because this <laughs> takes place in the 50s. Yeah. So I don't know how she was born <laughs> in the 90s. Oh my god. Time travel. I, I would have loved if you just kept going because I, I wouldn't have picked up on it right away. No. And I definitely would have been like, so this lady's a time traveler and that's why this is juicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah. Is she a doctor? She's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's a time traveling lady. <laughs> And that's why your sister recommended her. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Take 75. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> you think she had an oil lamp? Was that the 50s or was oh, that the 70s? Was that the <laughs> those, like, those like oil lamps. Oil lamp. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm, that was way later. That's so funny. <laughs> she did because she's, she's a rich. time traveler. She, she, is, oh, a time she is a time traveler. <laughs> she told her new co-workers. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, every time I restart, you do... <laughs> you, go, you got this. You got yeah. Thanks, Monk. <laughs> <laughs> she told her new coworkers. To <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> Just gonna do that. I told you I'm gonna do that in real life. Beep beep. Or clap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> end of conversation. Was the end. Next topic. Next. <laughs> Edit here. <laughs> Wetumpka? I'm gonna say it's Wetumpka. That's really fun to say. Wetumpka. Yeah. You ready? Go ahead. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta look slow. And. <laughs> I'm two for two. That's fine. We can, no, everything's great. But we didn't get a counting. I didn't know true. what we were doing. Okay, five, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> god, for musical theater. Okay. I think like this will help. I just went. Well, and of course, clearly. That's yeah. what I thought it was so funny. Our, we naturally were like, oh, thank God, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, a language we understand. <laughs> we can do that. Can only count to eight. All right. Yay. Ready? Mm hmm.